Mouthing Off is a theater, arts, and culture podcast from Bad Mouth Theater Company in St. Paul, Minnesota. I'm Amanda Forstrom. I'm Kevin Couchman. And I'm Mari Sittner. Mouthing Off features compelling interviews and discussions with artists and creators from around the Twin Cities and beyond. Tune in for something different online where you get your podcasts at badmouthtc.com and on the air in St. Paul through Frogtown Radio 94.1 FM. And if you've got something going on around the Twin Cities you'd like to talk about, we want to hear from you. Email us at badmouthtc at gmail.com. Mouthing Off is sponsored by Minnesota Playlist, the digital destination for live performing arts. Producers can find talent to work with. Directors can cast productions with audition ads. Teachers can find students with a classified. And audiences can find the perfect show to attend on the state's largest calendar of theater and dance shows. Find out more at minnesotaplaylist.com. We hope you enjoy the show. back with another uh, episode of Melting Off, the theater arts and culture podcast from Bad Mouth Theater Company. I'm Kevin Kautzman, joined by Leslie Vincent. Leslie, Hi. how are you? I'm good. How are you doing? Never better. It, it's, I, you know, it's a beautiful weekend here in St. Paul, Minnesota. It's a great time to be talking about theater. Yeah. yeah. It's a good. Yeah. It is a really good theater time right now. Mm. Well, I, I mean, let's get into it. So you're you have a show coming up at uh, History Theater, correct? Yep. So Jen Burley Benz and I are going to put on a concert next Saturday um, at at History Theater. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Well, all right. Well, <laughs> what is what's the show? What is the? So we're doing a um, a series of songs, jazz, pop, and Broadway. So that's where our um, our passions overlap, and so. We just put the set list together this morning. We're rehearsing with the band tomorrow at History Theater and um, just taking the audience on a journey through time. Some great American songbook songs, some contemporary musical theater um, and all kinds of stuff in between. Some Eva Cassidy, Melody Gardot, Dusty Springfield, um, just lots of famous female vocalists that we love um, and are inspired by. Right on. How long have you uh, been working with with History Theater? Is this, uh, oh, here comes Mari. Oh, even better. Yeah, here she comes. Yeah, let's go. Go on. Hey, Hi. there's Mari. Hi. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I was cast by the History Theater in 2014, I think, um, in the Buddy Holly story and went on to do the Bobby V story. And um, it was there that I met a jazz pianist in town named George Maurer, who convinced me to do less theater and follow him and make more music. And I've been doing that um, since about 20, uh, 2018, maybe. Okay. All right. So are you, are you principally, you're a singer? Is, is this how you identify? Are you an actor? What it, you know, what's yeah, the story? Um, so I'm, yeah. a, I'm a musician and an actor and a performer. Mm-hmm. So I band lead. I have my own band in town. And then oh, I cool. do- musicals and plays uh when a project really strikes me as interesting okay interesting and 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 this this is kind of like a a jukebox thing that you're doing you know you're just you're 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 playing the hits here well it's a it's a concert okay (laughs) you could say that every concert's sort of a jukebox thing um but it's a it's an evening of music okay all right. Yeah. What are your uh so and it's um tell me the collaborator again who are you who are you working with Jen Burley Benz. So Jen okay. Burley Benz has been in plenty of shows uh, at the History Theater. Um, she was most recently in History of Jesse James. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
right. Are you familiar um, with her work? I am. Yeah. She's been on the pod. Yeah. She's we're so cool. Yeah. We're, we're big fans. And Mari's here. Mari, how are you? Doing pretty good. Running a little bit late, but we're going to make it work. Oh cool. yeah. 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 We're rocking and rolling. So, um, you know, so this is, a, it sounds a little ad hoc. Like you're, you're a little sort of like, you know, you're going to, you're going to meet with the the band today or tomorrow and put it all together. I mean, it has um, to be. That's just, it's not ad hoc. That's just yeah. how music works. So <laughs> the way that music works is yeah, we yeah. pick the songs, we pick the keys, we get the sheet music or the charts. Um, and then about a week before we meet with the band and we um, go through the songs really, you know, we're, we're pulling from really famous versions, but that doesn't mean we don't make the songs our own. Um, right. Some of the songs will be from an album that I put out this summer. Um, so some of my own arrangements and inspirations. So getting with them, um, we're going to do piano, bass, and drums. So a nice solid trio. And then, um, we rehearse with them. We, we flesh out our harmonies with, uh, between myself and Jen. And then over the next week, we'll write out our banter. So how do we want to connect the songs? Are there times where we want to talk, don't want to talk, um, that kind of thing. So that it's an evening that's, that flows really smoothly and, um, is an enjoyable time for the audience. Yeah, that sounds like, yeah, go ahead, Mari. Yeah, yeah. you mentioned your album that you recorded over the summer. I see on your website, leslydelavincent.com, where people can visit, that they can buy a copy. Talk a bit more about your album and what was the process for putting that together and whatever what you want people to know about it. Yeah, so um, it's a collection of songs from the Great American Songbook and then my own original compositions. The idea of the album is it takes place over the course of a night. So it starts with a song called Psychedelics With You, which I wrote about doing psychedelics with my best friend. And then um, oh, oh, fun. the idea is uh, that it, it just goes through the emotionality of a night from flirty. Um, I have a cute little song from Guys and Dolls to sort of spacey and um, playing with, you know, reality, taking some of those great American songbook songs and really stretching them, pulling them apart. Um, and then the idea is ending with sort of a sunrise feel. So you've sort of gone through this tumultuous night um, and then it ends like as sort of a calming sun's coming up. Everything's going to be okay. I would never encourage anybody to do any kind of drugs, but what kind of psychedelics were you doing on this, on this night? Shrooms or LSD? Um, this night or... was Molly. Okay. All right. And okay. I will say, um, I would never recommend it. I don't recommend it to people. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I, you know, I just, I don't know. Was yeah, it for me? It was. <laughs> no, that's that's uh, fascinating. So, uh, what is it? What is the album called? What's it called? It's called it. Don't, get ready for it. It's a very brilliant title. It's called About Last Night. I listen. Yeah, right on the nose. As as a, an American adult in his forties, uh, you if you haven't had to explain yourself a few times <laughs> to the other to the people around you, you have not lived at all. <laughs> so and sometimes that that comes out as art uh that's cool very cool um an album i'm super proud of um yeah. got reviewed in a major jazz magazine and, oh uh, and it was really really fun to put together cool. and release and um and you're and yeah. so you're and you're like a you're a jazz so you're a jazz person i am a jazz person okay. i love jazz i listen to it and i sing it so okay yeah, Mark. Have you always been a, a fan of jazz? Have you always been a jazz singer, jazz listener? So I've always been a jazz fan. I just grew up that way. 
Um, and what I was saying uh, before you jumped on, Mari, is I actually was doing a reading at the History Theater um, back when they were workshopping the Bobby V story. And the music director for that was George Maurer, who had worked with the V's for a really long time. And he's a jazz pianist. And um, just during the course of the workshop, hearing me sing, he just asked me to play with him. And he really taught me how to be a jazz singer and took me out to gigs and kind of put me on this career path. Yeah. You know, we learned on Twitter a couple of weeks ago that jazz isn't real music. You know, they that's what they taught us. Um, you know, they were at, I, I don't know that uh, how to say this. Like it is the jazz live in America is the greatest possible experience that you can have. It's incredible. And people are are soft if they think that like jazz is not vital. It's it's the greatest thing. It really is. Are you, you know what yeah. I find? It's it's like anything. People that aren't educated on it or don't don't they they won't like try it. They mm -hmm. don't get it. And then the second you kind of get them into it um there's so much more to understand and explore i mean it's like it's you know it's like saying you don't like pop music it's like well there's decades of pop music do you hate 60s pop music 40s pop music 2020 pop music you know to say you hate a whole genre is um it just means you don't know anything and i i've worked really hard in my career to try to um you know people who say they don't like it just to try to get them to give it give it a chance um and I try to use banter and my own personality, my own theatrical skills to open it up to people. And I've gotten some some pretty good converts, proud to say. Yeah, I think it kept, what Kevin is referring to was a tweet by an account, just a horrible account that was disparaging jazz. And there was a clip of Thelonious Monk mm -hmm. playing the piano, doing this really atonal, experimental piano thing. And there is that side to jazz. There is the most experimental piano music you've ever heard. But there's also stuff like on your website, you mentioned Amy Winehouse. There is stuff that is more accessible that, you know, has a nicer melody that a lot of people like. And I think if people were exposed to that kind of jazz, that it would be more popular. And I think there's an argument that in a lot of today's music, there's no music. And I think people are not used to hearing music anymore. So the idea that something might be atonal is very off-putting because sure. we hear a lot of songs that have hardly anything in there. People are not used to hearing instruments. Sure. I don't know if people know if you're hearing strings in a song on the radio, that's a keyboard. Mm -hmm. Right, right. That that's totally true. I mean, you know, Mari, following on what you were saying about like the yeah, uh, it's it's meant to be live. I, like you're supposed to sort of like see the person hit the hit the note like on the on the machine on the thing that makes it live, and then somebody else is reacting. It's it's a play. It's like a right. yeah, yeah. Well, in a, a lot song. of ways, it's very similar to improv. In a lot of ways, it's yeah. very similar to being on stage. It's. It's all listening and reacting, just instead of words, it's music. I think, yeah. oh, I could go on and on. Well, I mean, and we're here for an hour on mouthing <laughs> off, and I want you, I want you to go on. But uh, you know, for real, I mean, like uh, when I lived lived in New York City, there was a, a a bar that I would go to that, like, we would have Juilliard level uh, jazz, you know, that I, I was friends with these people, and I'd be like. I'd have them come on, you know, a show like this. And I'd say, Hey, can you do a immigrant song for my birthday? You know? And, you know yeah. 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 And, and, and like a uh, xylophone, they'd play keys. Boom, butter, da dum, bum, bum, butter, dum. You know, like 90 minutes later, I'd be, I'd be sitting at the bar, you know, having my drink, just, you know, 
having my uh, chicken wings, whatever, chicken wings in my drink. It's just nuts. And they would play that. And then they, you know, people don't, people don't have access to that. And because they don't have access to that, uh, you what know, you they, they sort of like, to that. they resent uh, the idea that somebody else is like listening to live music. You know, they're they're out in the boondocks. Uh, I think a lot of people's exposure to jazz music is either through the music of their grandparents, mm. older music, or it's through something like a, like a middle school or a high school jazz band. And I think that there is access to really great live jazz. You just have to know where to look. And I think the thing the thing that's so great about live jazz is the technical proficiency. And I know that there's a lot of technical proficiency with singing. How have you mm-hmm. kind of since the beginning of your singing career grown te- technically as a singer? Oh my gosh, astronomically. So this summer I went down to Nashville to participate in their jazz institute and did a three-day workshop down there. And, um, you know, when I started, I really had to break myself away from sheet music because that's how I trained. I got a degree in musical theater. It's right there. Um, And that's, that's all I knew. You know, you sing the notes on the page and breaking that apart was a really, really hard. And I started just how every singer I believe starts, which is imitation, just listening to as many singers as I could. And then the more that I was creating my, my own stuff or working on my own arrangements, the more that I was starting to find my own voice. And then this summer I went to this institute because I just was hungry to learn more. And for me, the biggest thing and the thing I think most people when they're starting out, I'd imagine overlook is rhythm. You know, we're so interested in melody and especially musical theater singers, we're all about the money note and the vibrato and, and that's all great. And we don't normally think about rhythm because the rhythm's handed to us, right? So we know if we have a Sondheim piece, this is how we're singing it. And in jazz, I felt like I was back phrasing a lot. So, um, which is very common, you know, just, you're kind of in the loungy mood. And I found in this workshop that so much of interesting singing is being in the rhythm and being in the pocket and listening to your bandmates and red responding, just like they're responding. So my pianist and I have had lots of conversations recently about having the singer be a part of the band and not a separate entity from the band. You know, that I'm a musician just as much as they are. And the mm. listening and responding is what's interesting. What's not interesting is like, okay, well, this is how, you know, Billie Holiday sang this song. So I'll just sing it down this way. And there you go. It's so much more interesting when you're inside of it too. And so I've started putting scatting into my practice, um, which is such a good exercise in listening and responding and creating on the spot and improvising. So I'm always trying to learn. I'm always trying to take class. Um, you know, I feel very behind cause I didn't get a jazz degree, but I also believe that you can learn, you know, in, uh, in the gig and on the road and, um, and in your, and just in your spare time. So I'm always just looking for inspiration and trying to grow. Yeah. I was going to ask if you scat, can you explain to our audience who may not uh, know what that is? Oh boy. Wow. Oh, scat. Okay. Oh gosh. I don't want to explain <laughs> to people who don't know what it is. They uh, might know, they might not know, but we might as well give them an explanation. I mean, the, the, to put it very simply, it's, it's musical improvisation within a form done on, um, on syllables that are not necessarily words. So be it up that kind of thing. Um, a lot of people think that scatting is just random, that people just sing random notes. Um, but it is, it's not, it's also, it's also a technical skill that you, that you do. So, um, really what you're doing is you're playing with the melody of the song. 
you're playing with the rhythm, you're playing with the notes, you're playing with, um, and just like when a trumpet takes a solo, when a saxophone takes a solo, you know, that's what they're doing. They're still in the form of the song. Um, they're still in the key, but they're having fun with the notes and they're doing all kinds of things. So this is just a singer's version of that. Yeah, I think it's so interesting that you mentioned that you started from a musical theater background and you started with musical theater singing. I also was a musical theater singer and, and choral singer for many years, and it is a totally different experience. But you also mentioned that you sing Guys and Dolls on your album and that music can I guess it could be described as a little bit jazzy I think this difference between musical theater and jazz is sort of new I think that probably came about in around the 50s or the 60s so what what song do you sing from guys and dolls on your record and do you have any other favorite musical theater jazz standards that you oh. love to sing um so I sing if I were a bell which what has become a very famous jazz standard um I don't sing it like Sarah at all, right? If we think about Sarah, it's very um, soprano-y and very musical theater-y, um, but there is 10 trillion jazz recordings out there of it. Um, and so it's just a really fun song. Just, it's just cute, just cute AF. And I thought it'd be adorable on there. And with a band and I had been, been doing our kind of our own version of it for a while. Um, I actually don't do a ton of musical theater in my jazz rep, but I've been talking to, I have a trumpet player that I play with and he's been encouraging me to do more. I don't know why for me, they, they are so separate. They're such separate entities um, that I've had trouble sort of like overlapping them, but I don't know. It's something in the future that I, 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 I do want to put more in. I actually also love like more contemporary musical theater I'd love to find a way to bring that more into my stuff too, but I just haven't. That could definitely be interesting if you took contemporary musical theater and jazz it up. I mean, it's like you said, there's a million different versions of jazz guys and dolls. And it's tough when these songs are so iconic. Do you have yeah. any song in particular that you would like love to tackle and pick apart? I really want to do Flowers from Town. It's like top of my list. And then there's this song that I've been dying to do for like 10 years. It's very weird called Miss Bird from the musical Closer Than Ever, which is just a 70s musical. And it's a really cute song about um, uh, this very meek real estate agent who is like taking her lunch breaks to go like have some afternoon delight. And so she's talking about how like quiet girls can have like naughty sides too. It's so cute. And it ends with a really ridiculous scat. It's like in the sheet music, it just says like, do, it's like, do something here. It could be kind of like this. Yeah. And it some notes. Yeah, just just vibe. 100%, thought, just vibe. Yeah, 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 yeah I yeah, thought yeah. that'd be so, like, what a fun, you never see that. You, I've never seen that in any other song, um, at least in my experience. So I thought that would just be really cute. I don't, and I don't know, it's just a random one that's been sticking with me. Hey, if it's good song, it's a good song. But I, I'm also curious about performance because I know that you started off as a musical theater person. You're an actor. What is the difference in a jazz performance versus like a traditional acting or musical theater performance? I mean, the difference is that in, in a musical theater performance, right, we know everything for the most part that's going to happen. So I'm actually doing a musical right now. And it's interesting to flex that muscle again. You know, I have my my cues. I have my marks. I have the things I need to get done. Um, when I play music, anything can happen. So I might call a different tune that I didn't think we were going to do. I might feel like, you know what? We always do this as an up-tempo. Let's take it down a little bit. Let's do, let's do something a little dirtier today. Um, and even the way that the band plays will influence how I 
play um, and how I sing. Like we're just more, we're more creating in the moment um, unless like, you know, this is what I do and this is how I sing it, that kind of thing. Is it freeing? What's it like to get used to that? Oh, it's the best and everyone should do it. And every, and I just, I think that, I think that personally, a lot of actors have been fed this myth that they're not creative and that they're just there to serve a function and they could never create on their own. And I'm here to tell you, like you absolutely can. And it's so cool to be in charge. It's really cool. Yeah. I think that mentality comes, especially for a lot of musical theater people who might've started off as dancers or living a life in the ensemble where, you know, you want your leg to be at the exact same angle as everybody else's. You can't step out of line. Yeah. It's a completely different mentality and it does require leadership skills. Like you said, some people don't, don't want to do that. And that's totally fine. But there is something really cool about, I don't know, getting getting on the other side of it and um, getting to make your own decisions. Do you feel that that's affect you you in your real life outside of performance? Um, no, I, it hasn't. <laughs> but it has made, when I go back to musicals, I feel like I really have to rein myself in. So I have to, you know, I have to remember like, it's not my show, you know, and I'm not here. I'm not the decision maker. And that is also freeing, right? Because I don't have to worry about the rest of it or um, any sort of like managing of relationships or expectations. I don't have to run rehearsal. I just have to show up and do my job. And in a way, that's really nice, too. Um, so, yeah, it's just kind of a balance in both worlds. Interesting. So, uh you know, we're going to get into your, like your, your childhood now. So I apologize for, for asking this. Like, when did you know you were a, a uh, performer? Um, like- when I was two, mm-hmm. okay. um, I just started singing <laughs> to anyone who would listen. And it sort of okay. took off from there. Kind of the story I tell too, is um, I'm from a military family, moved around a lot. Um, I had a lot, a lot of trouble making friends. So we moved overseas to the UK, had a great time came back to America and I was mm. very devastated to leave my community there over and, in the, in the UK. Mm-hmm. And so no. I just, I, we moved to Southern Maryland, which I think is, is one of the worst places ever. Um, just, you know, it's, oh, it's, tough. It's, tough to show up. it's tough to be the new kid and be like, I came from England. People don't want to be your friend. Yeah. And, um, yeah. I listen, listen, I, you know, I just, on the other podcast I do, we just did uh, Edgar Allan Poe and he, he went, I did not know this, but he went to London and, you know, like as a child from like three to 11 years old, you know, went to like boarding schools in London and then came back, you know, just insufferable. Yeah. 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 It doesn't surprise me at all. Actually. He kind of doesn't surprise surprised. me at all, but it was, it was, uh, you know, it's 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 troubling, you know. Anyway, so so you came back so, to Southern Maryland, and you're Southern you know Maryland, and my okay. my grandparents for some reason had just done a play. They had never done a play before, but they ended up doing a play, and they said <laughs> we should do plays. I think she'll make some friends. And there was a theater right. camp that where they had done their um their play. There was a theater camp. Um, this was up in New Hampshire where they lived. Oh so God! In the summer when I would visit, I started going to theater camp and. Day one, day one, it, I was done. Like I met my best friend who's still my best friend today. Um, and then I just, I started getting involved in plays in school. Talk about like the eighties and the nineties, like ish. Um, this would be like mid two thousands. Mid two thousands. Okay. All right. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I just okay. love, um, I loved it. And I, and I started 
like I, I just was involved in every aspect of plays. I've stage managed, I've directed, I've built. How did you, how did you uh, end up in Minnesota? Um, I, after college, I ended up going to the SETCs, um, which are the regional theater audition. I got hired by NTC, which is um, based up here. They're a children's theater company. And I fell in love with someone that also was hired by them, packed up all my stuff and moved out here. And then we broke up and then I married my wife and we decided to stay here. How have you find, how have you found it out of all of the theater communities that you've been a part of in your life? How's the Twin Cities? I think it's awesome. I think it's a magical community. I think it's a community that lets you try weird stuff um, and doesn't really, I find doesn't really pigeonhole you. Like I've been able to just kind of like do the things that speak to me. Um, and I think the community, for me, the community here is the reason I'm still here. Like I, I am not a fan of the weather. I have no family here. I have no connection here. There's um, no weather. There's no weather. I mean, we just, we persevere. Okay. We persevere. Yeah. We persevere. But I love, you know, I think this week, I mean, this week's the horror festival, but I think this week I saw eight plays. Um, you know, and where else can you do that besides New York city? Like just so much art and so much creativity and so much, um, I don't know, genre breaking and, and just people really putting their hearts out there. I think it's incredible. Yeah, no, I'm with you. Yeah. Mari. Yeah. It is just like, it's such an open theater community. It really is just like, there's so much room for experimentation and people are really welcoming. I mean, we've only been around for Kevin, how long how long officially have we been around for? A little under a couple two of years? years. I don't know. I mean, I think a two little years under, yeah, a little ish. under two years. I mean, and people have been very welcoming. Very welcoming. I mean, it's a it's a serious uh, community and uh, a theater a, a place place to do theater. You yeah. know, in yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's so many great opportunities. I mean, we've covered the Fringe, like you said, the Horror Festival, History Theater. We've had people from History Theater on quite a bit, and that's such a great Minnesota centric. Mm-hmm. community spot and there's just more and more theater every day do you have anything lined up after i know you have a couple of shows coming up if you want to plug those do you have anything lined up in the future um yeah i i mean i have a pretty packed performing schedule in general so i'll do this show on fourth um let's see i think the next one after that is the oh let me check i kind of just well, think that, about that's all right yep yep, um, yep pull it up yep you got it Mari, how's uh how's Manhattan? Are you having a, a good time in the old uh shitty, the old uh uh you know? Well, burb. we have a heat. We have a heat wave. Oh, so you have that's a heat wave. In, you have a heat wave in Manhattan. It no, is eighty not. degrees. What? Yes. Evil. You, it is pretty evil. You guys definitely have the better weather for Halloween. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, we'll, we'll just re- relax out here. Yeah, no worries. Yeah. It's uh, it's yeah. the fall out here. Okay, Leslie, what do you have? Um, so I'll do the show on the fourth and then the ninth, I'm at crooners doing a night of, um, my own music, just original tunes that I put together. And then the 16th I'm at women's club. Um, I have a show that's an Amy Winehouse, Carol King evening. So wow. that's my November and then lots of holiday music in December. Do you like Christmas music? Or are you one of those people that's like, don't pull out the Christmas music until December 1st? I'm the kind of person that's like, I wish Halloween went through January. <laughs> Not a lot of good Halloween jazz, unfortunately. There Maybe is some. so much good Halloween jazz. Really? Like Whoa. what? I just so- I just did a whole Halloween show. There okay. is buckets of Halloween. Okay. Yeah. Break- okay. Well, you know, lay it on us. Oh, I mean, Eartha Kit has a whole album called Bad Eartha. That's right. Bad Eartha. Bad Eartha. 
Um, you know, you got, I put a spell on you. You have that old black magic, witchcraft. Um, yeah, true. Yeah, like, you're right. Yeah, yeah. I, I was talking to someone recently that I, I really think that like the twenties and thirties were such a dark time in our country that people were just, you know, we have the love songs, we have the heartbreak songs, but people were just pushing out tons of dark material, um, that they sound so nice, you know, like when you hear like witchcraft, you, you know, but there's ton- yeah, tons of like tons of like darker stuff, I think. That's so interesting. And I mean, I think that goes back to what we think of when we think of jazz, that people don't even know how much good Halloween spooky jazz there is. What about Thanksgiving? <laughs> Anything? <laughs> no, I didn't think so. No, I don't think I think there's that's a market that someone should should tackle how Thanksgiving music you have to you have to come back for like a witchcraft what is that like i think heaven's asking for the name of the song i'm at i'm asking for the tune yeah which which one witchcraft Wit, witchcraft yeah. what about it is it can you sing it those fingers in my hair that's like come hither stare rips my conscience bare it's witchcraft and i've got no defense for it that heat is too intense for it what good would common sense for it do? Cause it's witchcraft, wicked witchcraft. And although I know it's merely taboo, when you rouse the need in me, my heart says yes indeed in me. Proceed to what you're leading me to. I think that's pretty yeah. cool. That's the beggar. That is, it, is it is a great song. It's a beggar. Great song. That's there. a fucking beggar. I'm sorry. No, <laughs> that's it's a beggar. Really... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, good. We did um, yeah. we also did a version of Jeepers Creepers. I don't know if you're familiar with that one. It, that's a pretty, that's an old one, but hmm. that song's always presented very up tempo and cute. And I've always thought it was the creepiest song. And yeah. so we did a minor um, arrangement that Ted Godbout, who I, who's my pianist most of the time he arranged it and I thought it was so funny and all of us were trying not to crack up on stage because the lyrics are so ridiculous if you listen to them but sometimes back then composers were just trying to get stuff out and I don't know if this is the case for Jeepers Creepers but I have to imagine that it was a rush job it is some of the worst lyrics I think in the history of music is there something about the word peepers yes not yes the the lines are Jeepers Creepers where'd you get those peepers that is the how, that is not sexy at all. And it's presented as like very sexy. And I'm like, ew, what? I feel like there's some lyrics from this era of music that we're going to look back on and go, oh, I don't know. There's some really strange old tunes that you can find. There's a song that I think is kind of famous from the 40s called I Love Bananas Because They Have No Bones. No! <laughs> <laughs> there's some really strange lyrics out there if you know where to look for them oh that's so funny i absolutely want to cover i love bananas because they have no bones it's on youtube you can <laughs> look it up with that 40s audio and all love that yep nobody i mean you know that uh bananas have no bones yeah that's fair okay so you're so you're you're gonna do this uh this show mm, yeah exciting let's 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 think so about, i like, see that yeah. yeah, you've got some Christmas shows after mm-hmm. that. What about New Year's since we're going through all the holidays? I do have a New Year's show. I need to put it up on my website. Um, but I'm at the 925 that night. And what kind of what kind of music is that gonna be? Um, it'll be jazz. I almost always perform jazz unless stated otherwise. And then my holiday shows are actually with 
um, Emily Dussault, who's in Boy Wonder right now at History Theater. Um, she and I have a group called the Champagne Drops, and every Christmas we do a holiday um, holiday music together. Mm-hmm. I feel like I feel like the glitz and glamour of Christmas and New Year's really lend themselves well to live jazz. Yeah, there is so much of that old glamour. Do you find? I mean, I think a lot of jazz singers are that you're inspired by the aesthetics of the 30s, 40s, 50s. Are you asking if I am inspired yeah. by that? Um, yes and no. Like one thing I really struggle with is this idea that I sing songs from an era that like I would be pretty not welcome in. Um, and so I don't really like to give it a lot of attention. Like I don't do like vintage hairstyles or vintage um hair or um like outfits and stuff. I really just try to make it as contemporary and as accessible as possible. I think, you know. We, we, we've glamorized that era kind of in the way that we've glamorized the fifties and it's like, um, sure. But also what these times were sort of gnarly and I don't know, I don't like to give them more attention than they deserve. Yeah. I think it's a good idea to modernize jazz. Like you said, it makes it more accessible. Does it help people get into it? Do you think that they're not, they don't feel like they're at a museum? I think so. That's, you know, that's another thing I've talked about a lot is like, there's, there's kind of two ways like of thinking about some of this older music and some is preservation, right? So packaging and and showcasing them in the way that they were made. And then the other is like contemporizing them and giving them a modern spin. And that doesn't mean the music has to sound different even, Um, you know, there's ways to contextualize stuff to make it relevant to a modern audience. I think banter can help a lot with that. And then I think rearrangements can help. Um, whenever I do shows, I try to add in uh, a, a non-jazz piece in a jazz style just to help. Um, so I right now I do a lot of Norwegian wood from the by the Beatles, just to help an audience that maybe was brought along by their sister or came on a whim, just to help them kind of feel like, hey, I do know a tune, you know, or hey, that was cool. I know those lyrics just to try to like give it some, I don't know, get, give it some more connection for them. Have you ever gotten responses from people that you've change their mind about jazz or open them up. Tell me about that. Um, It's cool. It is encouraging because I don't want the art form to die. Um, And I don't think it will because it's lasted so long, but yeah, I mean, I think that, I think that people take a chance and I try to bring jazz to places that maybe they don't expect it to be. And um, and yeah, sometimes they're like, wow, I didn't know that it could be like that. Or I didn't know I liked jazz or I like jazz when you do it. Um, that like really, really means a lot to me. Yeah, I think a lot of musical theater performers have kind of similar experiences where somebody will come to a musical and be like, I didn't like musicals before tonight, but now I think I'm going to try to get into them. Uh, I know, because people are like, oh, I saw a high school musical once. And you're like, oh my gosh, there's so many good musicals in town. Yeah, I mean, it is really similar to people's exposure to jazz. They're exposed to the music of their grandparents. I know when I was growing up, my grandparents always listened to Camelot. That was the musical that they loved was Camelot. And so it took some get it took some getting used to. And I think if more people are exposed to certain things, then they'll like them. And it's really nice that in the Midwest, even though the Twin Cities are a big major metro hub, that people can still come out and discover something and change their mind about an art form that they might've had other ideas about. Totally. And I mean, same thing with musicals, right? To say you don't like musicals, it's like, it, it runs the gamut. Like there's just so much out there. Maybe you just haven't found the musical that you like, you know? It's also, it's hard to love an art form that you've only seen middle schoolers and high schoolers perform. 
Yes. Agreed. All right. Mouthing off. There you go. Good. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. Yeah. Well, thank you for coming on. Sorry. I was late. That's okay. Yeah. It's so nice to meet you. Yes. It was nice to meet you too. And if I do end up coming back, I live in New York, but if I end up coming back to the twin cities for, I know we're having a holiday party and then something might line up and maybe I'll come out. Cause I love Amy Winehouse and Nora Jones, which is, I know who is referenced on your website. Yeah, me too. Yeah, well, you you better love them if they're here. No, I wish Nora would make some some music. I feel like she hasn't put something out in a minute. I know. I I mean, I just listen to the old a lot of the older stuff, but yeah, her old stuff is classic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me on, and best of luck with the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for coming on, and have a good weekend and happy Halloween. 